Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is in the world, wherever you are tuning in from, where Raj is from, or where he's living, or currently residing, I should say, it's very early in the morning, it's about, just gone half past seven, am I right? Correct. But you're bright and breezy and uh, ready to talk about Rafa Nadal and his current travails, but also one or two from the past. But before we do that, Raj, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, my background is I'm a, I'm a doctor of physical therapy, but I have a huge sports background. So I work with a lot of high level clients, individual players, um, whether it's, you know, from rehab all the way to the performance side. So um, it's never too early to talk tennis, in my opinion. So here I am. Great. And if any of us, uh, including me anyway, follow you on Twitter, we're very aware of, of your passion for sports across the board. I'm a big football fan or soccer, as perhaps people in North America are familiar. So I'm uh, frequently seeing you giving us updates on, on injuries and suggestions and, and your thoughts on, on those. But we're here, as you said, to talk tennis and more specifically injuries. And with Rafa Nadal um, in particular, I'd like to talk about the present and even immediate future if we have a rough timeline on the on the latest injury if you like because I think that's where we should certainly begin um, and, and maybe have made, made most of our focus on because this could be the one that that finally curtails his career uh, in Australia uh, he has what appears to be a stumble uh, as he's stretching uh, I think on the forehand side and falls. Now, whether it's the impact or the stretch or a bit of both that caused this uh, psoas or, or hip injury, uh, I, I don't know specifically. Maybe you could flesh that out for us, Raj, in a second. But also, he did touch on the fact that it was a, something that had first flared up in the day or two before in practice and had clearly been exacerbated. 
as somebody who's watched Rafa Nadal pretty much constantly for the last 20 years, as soon as he has a fall of any kind, uh, you're kind of thinking, oh, and I was watching his movement for the next couple of points. And I was like, okay, this is terminal for today, one way or another. And that's what happened. We then got a prognosis for six to eight weeks, which of course has been very, very different. Raj, can you react to some of the things I've I've just been talking about? Yeah, sure. I'm going to start with how the injury happened, right? I think you made the point where he said that he was feeling it for a few days prior. So typically what happens is that, you know, that last stretch on the forehand or fall, whatever it is, that's just the last straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. It's something that's been building up over time. And so, you know, the way I try to describe it is like, imagine you have a bucket that's getting filled with water. Eventually it overflows. The last drop isn't the reason. It's everything that came before it, right? And I think in Rafa's case, that's that's what happened. And that speaks to your point that he was probably feeling, he might even have, you know, been feeling it prior to that, but he just never didn't, you know, put it in his head, right? Because, you know, you're an elite athlete. They all have nicks and knacks here and there. You know, some days you'll have it, next day it'll go away. So um, it's probably something that's, that's just been building up over time. And then, so then when that happened, Obviously, it impacted him. It impacted him. If I remember correctly, he had to change his serve. He couldn't go as overhead, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, just you know, just the injury itself is, you know, the psoas. It's a combined muscle that kind of runs down the front of your hip. I know the hip, because a hip injury, it's very you know, ambiguous and nebulous. Yeah. But the iliopsoas specifically kind of runs down the front of your hip. It's actually two different muscles, iliacus and the psoas. And so, you know, based on that early timeline, kind of sounded like a grade two moderate tear, but timelines aren't definitive. You don't really know how long a player might take good, you know, less time or more time until you really start getting into rehab and going through some of those progressions and, you know, start testing their strength, testing their mobility, testing their sport specific actions. And that's what really dictates a timeline. So personally, I don't really put that much of a, of a uh, emphasis on timelines, but the fact that it's almost been double what they said, that is now certainly concerning, right? I think even Rafa had some consternation about that in some of his quotes about, yes, well, clearly, yeah, it's been 14 weeks and it's not getting better. So, yeah, he's, he's obviously frustrated. Um, what do you think is, is surgery an option, by the way? Because you know he's now talking about having a six-week minimum, six-week break from just returning to the court. We'll talk about the broader implications at some point as well, but but let's just talk about the immediate implications. He said he doesn't know when he's going to return to the court. We've seen some discomfort from him a little bit during his practices in the build-up to the French Open. Did you? suspect all along that it was going to be a long shot or it just wasn't likely that he would participate in, in Paris? Yeah, I mean, that was one to me, obviously, you know, Roland Garros for him is one of his his best tournaments. He loves to be there. So I thought he would might try to ramp up and, and see how, he, how, it, how it affected him. Uh, considering he hasn't played much, I always thought it was going to be a, a very much a long shot for him to do that. And of course, coming off, this hiatus, you know, that, that, and then trying to play high level tennis, that's just opens yourself up for more injury risk. Right. So, you know, knowing Rafa, he's always going to try, but it, it sounds like, you know, n- there were no indicators there. Pause, not no, mo- let's say the trend line there was not positive, right. He was not reacting well to increasing his activity intensity. 
And therefore, at that point, you know, you have to take that. You have to kind of, if it's not working, you got to reassess your plan and then get a new plan. Are you familiar with other sports people uh, having this injury or does it tend to occur more in certain sports than others? So as uh, honestly, a lot of times, most most like pro, pro teams won't even release a deep. They'll just say hip injury. So okay. from just from prevalence wise, I know it's very common in football just because the taking the taking mechanism with the hip right can be can be uh, lead to overload. Soccer um, can lead to a lot of overload there, and so but in just you know in general, it's just a tough one because it's it's so involved with every movement, and then with tennis also. People think hip, but it's not just it. It's a hip flexor, so, so it brings your knee up towards you. But it also, when you when you um, rotate or you bend your trunk forward, it's involved in that as well. And so, obviously, tennis involves a lot more trunk action than many other sports, right? So now you have a double demand on that muscle. You add in Rafa's playing style, which you know tends to tends to put him in some precarious positions and so then you add in i mean the 20 plus years of just wear on his body you add in his previous injury history we know he's been playing through a lot throughout his career we know recently with all the issues right and that's going to oftentimes lead to change demands that you can't really prognosticate throughout your body is age and 20 years on the tour a key factor in this particular injury I mean, yeah, I hate to always just say, oh, you know, age is age because he's done such a great job of it. But at some point, there's just so much wear on your body from these years and years that uh, it it definitely has to be a factor. And then I think it's even more of a factor in Rafa's case because we know what his playing style was like, right? He's changed it a little bit to be more aggressive and and limit points. But for how many years he was that guy, right? who's two feet behind the, behind the baseline and is trying to, you know, grind it out. And eventually, eventually that's going to catch up to you. doesn't matter how good, how well you carry yourself. I think Rafa even being here at this point is a testament to how well he's taking care of himself, but there there's mm-hmm. still does come that, that end point. We saw it with Federer too, who who's incredible with his nutrition and he never had that grind it playing style like Rafa did. But at some point, there does come a time where, you know, in a sport where the margins are minuscule, right? Like, like elite tennis, there comes a time where you, where you just don't, you just don't got it anymore or you don't have it to the level that you want it. What are the options on the table right now for Rafa? And is one of them surgery? Typically, surgery, like in muscular issues, would be like if there's, let's say, like a ruptured muscle. Like a a rupture typically occurs at the end of the muscle where it's a tendon. So typically, it's there. Typically, aren't surgical options. Typically, if it's not responding well, um, Mm -hmm. it's just it's more conservative than than surgical. There are potentially some options, like let's say, if he wants to use like like injections or PRP to try and you know re-stimulate that that healing process and, and we've seen with Rafa that he'll go to any lengths to try and do it. But yeah, I, I yeah, surgery here 
doesn't really seem plausible, but again, I don't know the full injury extent, right? It's still, Ilyaso as itself still can have a lot of variance in terms of where the injury specifically occurred along the muscle. And so that's hard to really determine. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, you know, th- what are your broader thoughts on, on say, this six-week or potentially six-month? Do you, th- do, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is, when you probably heard some of the words he said last week in the press conference, and clearly his discomfort, I'm aware of, of the fact that, that he's barely been serving this year. So we've had serving issues before over the last 12 months of Rafa with, with rib and abdominal issues. And with that, when you're watching, you're going, yep, that makes sense. That's a part of the body we can see directly being put under strain. And yet now, probably for casual observers, especially not medical experts, they're going, but this is a hip injury. How's that related to the service motion? Yeah, so kind of like how I mentioned before, right? The iliopsoas still is involved with the trunk. It's involved with trunk action. So when you go up to serve and now you're extending and rotating, the iliopsoas takes on load during that motion. And then when you come forward and you're rotating and flexing, bending, the iliopsoas again takes on action, right? And so most people, I think, will think like hip, like the outer hip or the back of the hip, like the glutes. But the iliopsoas literally runs right down the front almost like in, almost inner thigh okay area. and so it, it's it's highly highly involved in serving and i believe i don't know if, i believe it's all left side related too if i remember correctly the injury yeah quite possibly uh, what i what i'm aware of is that serving has been an issue and of course he's a left-hander yeah. um but also i think it's it's at this time of year, well, I guess all times of year in tennis, but this time of year, of course, we were in the clay court season and therefore sliding uh, on mm-hmm. both sides. But I'm aware of the fact that he's having difficulty moving on the backhand side. We've seen clips of him hitting forehands and backhands, but not with movement, if that makes sense. And of course, on a, in a tennis match, you're stretching and you're moving on both sides. And he's probably, well, he's definitely the best of all time on this surface in terms of movement and pretty much everything else. So he's clearly thought to himself as well. And we, we spoke about the likelihood of him potentially playing this French Open. You know, perhaps 10 years ago, given the gap between him and his competitors, maybe he could go in with one or two issues and get away with it because 80% Rafa would be good enough to win the French Open. Now, with Carlos Alcaraz, Djokovic being more competitive on this surface than ever and, and also Holger Rune and who knows, even Daniel Medvedev, there's just too many competitors that there's just... I, I don't think as mentally as well that he wanted to go into Roland Garros, play two rounds, wave to the crowd and go home. He's someone who's won 14 of these as well. Um Listen, yeah. talking of mental side of it, unless you want to react to something I've said, Raj. Well, I just want to say, I mean, I think everything you said right there is summed up by risk reward, right? The, the risk is not worth the reward for him at the moment. And so yeah, that's really all it comes down to. And that uh, might come down to other factors as well, right? Like I think he, he knows he's a new dad. 
if he gets severely injured, right, it's going to affect him off the court too. So there's a lot of things that now come into play for him when it comes to those risk factors. He also knows if he does go in and get injured, he might not re- – based on his recovery with this injury, if he does go in and get re-injured or some other injury, right, that might be a career ender for him now, right? Yeah. So is that risk worth it for him? It doesn't sound like you know it is right now, and that's kind of probably why they, they pulled back. It does feel like as well it's also an accumulation of the injuries over the last 20 years, perhaps even more specifically the last three years. He talked about the the pandemic being a, a turning point um, uh, as, a, as a mark in the sand rather than the pandemic itself, but just the last three years. Um, and we know about the foot issue. I know that you've spoken at length as well, Raj, in the past about mm-hmm. that. If you could just, you know, talk about the, the foot injury and your thoughts on the ablation, for example, which does apparently, of all the issues, it does seem to have had a lot of success for him, in, you know, since he had that just over a year or just under a year ago. Yeah, so he has condition with his foot. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Rule of ice. Okay, yeah. So essentially, it's a chronic condition. It's, it's nothing you can really do about it but it leads to a lot of pain in the arch of your foot. So an RF ablation, radio frequency ablation is mm-hmm. they just targeted the nerve that generates that pain or that because nerves are what trigger pain. So um, they just targeted that nerve and they ablate it. I mean, they, they're trying to like almost like deaden it. So that's kind of what he did. And, and it's, it makes sense. The fact that they were able to do it. If, if you're able to specifically target that nerve and, and it works, it makes sense. The risk is always like, I think he talked about this, right? He couldn't really feel his foot. And so Yeah, during the French Open, yeah. Yeah. So that's that was kind of uh pretty pretty in, I mean incredible. I mean, but also speaks to it how how much his feel on you know clay courts is incredible, right? Where he doesn't have to even feel his foot to really <laughs> be that good on that. I mean, for him, I think he probably do it eyes closed, right? He's so yeah. he's so good at it. But yeah, that sounds to be, I mean, that seems to be kind of addressed. But I think what kind of what I touched on, what you touched on is that who knows what him playing through that injury and that pain might have led to in the rest of his body, right? Whether it was an injury at that point or some start of overload or compensation that then down the line leads to another injury, whether it's it was this psoas or not. Returning to the psoas, is it a is it a career-ending injury generally? I mean, when when when, as I say, when it first flared up, you know, it's like oh, the the the, the a bit of a telling point for me though. Looking back, it probably didn't tell me much at the time, but his wife crying with this particular injury when it happened, and and he basically limps off, you know, the court. He he does finish the match. I don't know whether that had any effect in terms of the length of you know him playing for another forty-five minutes. Uh, having clearly exacerbated the problem. Uh, he wasn't moving very well. I mean, the thing is, in tennis with an injury, you can just hit a winner. In football, you've got to come off. In fact, 99% of sports, you just got to come off. In tennis, you might get away with it at least that day. And of course, you don't know. Maybe in two days, you have no idea as a, as a player what the prognosis might be. We saw him, by the way, do something very similar, albeit with a different injury against Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals last year when he had an ab injury. It wasn't till he had the prognosis after the match that he realized this is going to also put him out for six weeks or so. But yes, a telling sign was his wife was tearful. And I'm thinking that's a, an unusual reaction for for what, 
you know, could well be a, a, a six-week injury more than anything else. And it was it was probably a sign that the family and, and Rafa himself have have gone through this for, for years now. And he also mentioned it in his press conference last week now that it's just one injury after another. It's not like, uh, you know, it's this injury and then it gets fixed and whatever, but it's just constant. I mean, his, his uncle, I actually interviewed his uncle face-to-face in, in Mallorca a few weeks ago. And he said as well that last summer, from that moment, the body went down were, were his words. In other words, it wasn't just the abs or the ribs or, or laterally the hip. It was just the body went down and there was there was no reward as well because he was losing tennis matches at the end of last year and then also at the beginning of this. Uh, talk to me about the mental toll you think that could well have had. Yeah, I, th- I think it's massive. And I think, you know, her crying speaks to that mental toll. It's just you're, you're constantly grinding and trying to get out of it but it becomes this cycle of injuries because you get injured. Of course, that leads to re-injury risk in that specific area, but now your fitness level drops, right? So now you're trying to build up fitness again, and you can't, no matter what you do off the court, you can never rebuild true fitness until you're playing in games. You just can't replicate it. There's too many, too many. Anyone who's played knows it. You know, you can't replicate that level of fitness the adrenaline in a game that you can, you know, you can't replicate that. So you have to be able to then play consistently in matches to rebuild your fitness and eliminate some of those injury risks. Rafa has gotten in this constant cycle, right? Injury tries to come back, gets hurt, fitness drops, gets hurt, fitness constantly dropping, body going down, right? So, I mean, we see it in, you know, in a lot of other sports as well. It's it's this injury, re-injury cycle, and it's very, very difficult to get out of it. The problem in those sports, it's still a team sport. So you have other players who can play in an individual sport. Obviously, there's no reprieve, right? So that, that's that's the really that's the really really difficult part when it comes to individual sports. Oh, you know, for better or for worse, it's all on you. And I think with her crying, I think I think there's I think Roth is a smart guy. His team's smart. They're starting to see the signs are there, right? He understands. I'm sure he feels it every day. Like, hey, I'm, I don't feel like I used to. I'm not recovering like I used to. And I'm sure his wife, I mean, knows those things as well, right? He's talking to her about those things. And I think it was just probably part of that, part of its frustration, seeing how hard he works to try and get back out there and not having it come off. So, yeah, it's just it's just a combination of all those factors coming into play. Have you dealt specifically with anyone with with this this injury that that Raf has got right now with the psoas? Yeah, multiple. It's a t- it can be a tough one to deal with just because of how intricately it's involved in movement. And and what are you you know what what tends to be is it is it do you, have you seen situations with sports people where or people who are playing regular sports at all levels where they where they after six weeks, for example, they do return to their sport and then they break down, they return, they break down, and then they just go, you know, that's the end of the road for me. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it in multiple instances, whether it's, you know, it's an injury there or really any uh, substantial muscular injury where they just can't recover from it. There's always that risk, right? And so mm-hmm. um, have certainly seen it. I don't know specifically with the psoas, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, that, that it's, it's still the same kind of principle of it you have a highly involved high load muscle that gets damaged and you just can't get over it and and you especially at the level that he's trying to play at right like 
you're pushing your body to the limits and his margins have just decreased significantly. So I, it, it's something that it's, it's just part of, it's just part of elite sport, unfortunately. What is, as we, as we sort of bring this to a close, Raj, what is your thought? I mean, you, 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 you're a sports fan as well as a, uh, you know, a, a medical expert, but what is your, your thoughts on having seen the, the situation with Rafa since January, having heard what he said last week, uh, where, you know, he said he just doesn't know. It could be six weeks. It could be six months before he returns to the practice court. And even then, if he feels similar discomfort again, um, it may be a farewell tour, if you like. Or, you know, he could return to the practice court in a couple of months from now, feel good and start playing competitively again and maybe have a healthy six or 12 months in which to also not just do a farewell tour, but a successful period of his career, if you like, a, a tournament win, uh, right. you know, getting to finals and this kind of thing. What's your feeling of, of, of all those sort of two or three possibilities? You know, what's, what do you, what do you think is the most likely outcome? Man, it's so hard. It, honestly, I wish I could say it's so hard to say in, in this instance, because, you know, like we're finding out with the, you know, the original timeline, you don't know how he's going to respond to these things. So I, I mean, all I can say is I think the place plan of care makes sense where he's not, he hasn't responded well. So you have to give yourself more time to be able, whether that's sacrificing this season, whatever it is, right. You have to give yourself more time to be able to ramp up. Um, that still doesn't guarantee anything. And, and that's, that's what, just, would, what, what would he have done been doing during that six to eight week period where he wasn't on the practice court. So the injury happens, it gets diagnosed six. Yeah. What would have occurred in that six to eight weeks? Would there have been some things going on rather than just complete rest? Oh yeah, absolutely. Completely. I mean, they might rest uh, until like in the, we call it like the acute, the, the short term phase until mm -hmm. that injury has died down, but then you're getting right back into treatment. You're getting right back into progressive starting low level strengthening, low level mobility work. And then you're just building that up into eventually more sports specific demands. Right. And so I think my guess is he's just going to try, they're, they're going to dial it back down again and then build it up again conservatively. That's why he's taking that time. And yeah. that's, that's sometimes there's, you just need, you just, it always doesn't work out that first time. So like I said, there's no, it, it's so hard to prognosticate that far out, especially with a player like him, who obviously hasn't recovered well from this injury has, uh, you know, a huge injury history there might be other, a lot of other factors we just don't know about, right? There's so many individual variables that come into play, you know, that, that we just don't know about. And so, I mean, all I can say is I, I think his plan of care makes sense. I truly hope, of course, that he's able to come back and, and be competitive. And because I think he, I think he honestly, I, mean, I hate to say the word deserve, but I think he deserves that for how yeah. much he's given to the sport and how hard he works. I mean, he's one, he's, part of what got me into tennis, just, you know, from a personal standpoint, I, I think that probably speaks to a lot of our generation, right. With him fed Joko, just a level of tennis that, that was played. So from that standpoint, I certainly hope so. But uh, I think all we can really do is focus on that day to day. And, um, and, and we, we gotta just, just see how he responds. It, it's not, you know, it's not a comfortable answer, but that's, that's just yeah. what it is. That's what oftentimes what it is with rehab. There's no, certainty either way in uh although his age he's about to turn 37 uh in that respect time isn't on his side 
But I think from what he said last week, there isn't the, the pressure now of going, I've got Roland Garros on the horizon. This is what my best tournament. That is not now on the horizon. So I think he can be as conservative as he wants and, and, and needs to be. And, and maybe just, just doesn't take any risk at all. There's no championship or tournament that he has to be back for. So, you know, as he said, it could be six weeks or six months before I'm on a practice court and just take all the time. And probably, Raj, from what I understand and from what you've said today as well, you know, just doesn't know until he would that day that, you know, because you and I have probably had niggles and injuries and we think we're okay, but we don't know until we go for that run or we kick the football and and, exactly. and he won't know until he stretches for that ball six or six, six weeks or six months from now until, until then. And, and even then you start, I mean, the brain starts to feel things. Did I feel a twinge in my hip then? Or did I, or is that me imagining things? And right. maybe you even hope you didn't, these kind of mental things as well are going on, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, confident, mental confidence, what we call kinesiophobia, fear of uh, movement or re-injury, you know, kicks in for sure, especially with long-term yeah. injuries, especially with injuries that uh, you've kind of had a re-injury with, right? So you start questioning yourself. Um, I think even if you do it over the injury, you start questioning yourself at times. And so when you're, you know, tennis already makes you question yourself and then and you have this, right? It's even more difficult. And so, yeah, the mental ass component, is is massive and so i think you know obviously we know rafa his mental fortitude is one of his strengths throughout his career but he's never faced anything kind of having to really look you know look and see the end of his his career with injury it, it's quite difficult i think we saw this also with fed to an extent he tried to take a season off right and then come yeah. back he when he ramped up uh, yeah, the U.S. Open. He was trying. He, he kind of just said, "I can't do it." Or was it Wimbledon mm -hmm. or U.S.? I think it was U.S. Open. I, can't I mean, he had a couple of moments. But one was in the U.S. in 2019, but then of course he comes back. About well, I, I always feel, Raj, when you're away, like Federer was, for example, for pretty much 18 months. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a feel. I mean, I saw it with footballers such as Owen Hargreaves with tendonitis, knee tendonitis, which by the way, Rafa's had on and off in his career as well. Oh. And tendonitis is something that of course can affect various other joints as well. But you, when you see a sports person not play a competitive match for when it gets beyond a year for me alarm bells are ringing and I think Federer went something like you know almost or certainly beyond 18 months without playing he then yep. plays the French Open and then he plays Wimbledon but he's a bit of a shadow of himself and in 2021 latterly he talked about the fact that he could feel the knee during that tournament at Wimbledon yep. in 2021 and um and, and people have draw, drawn parallels with Rafa because He's played about six or seven matches in, in the last eight or nine months. And it's probably almost a year since we would say we've seen a healthy Rafa, albeit we've seen him intermittently. Um, and now, of course, if he doesn't play a match again this year, which is possible, then we will be looking at that 12-month period. And, and yeah, so there's been, there's been parallels between them, not just in the way they've played their careers, but also the way that they potentially might finish them. Yeah, exactly. And, and so we'll see. And that's... And that's that's the hardest thing. I think it's, it's just one of those things with whether it's Fed or Rafa. I mean, they want to go out on a high note. So you, you try to do everything you can. That's all you can do. It doesn't guarantee it doesn't guarantee the outcome, just like you know, tennis. You can play your best match and Djokovic can hit a return, you know, and, and ace you. <laughs> yeah. And so uh it doesn't guarantee anything, but all you can do is, you know, have the right plan 
and, and give yourself the best chance. And I think they've done that throughout their career. And I think we're, we're going to see that on the, on the tail end. Obviously we saw it with Federer didn't work out and we'll see how it goes with Rafa here. Yeah. And as you said, it's possible. It's possible that, that there's sort of two or three scenarios. And one of those scenarios for the optimists out there is that we do see a competitive Rafa for one more stretch of time. Yeah, cer- certainly possible. And I wouldn't, I mean, if anyone can do it, it, it it's Rafa. And he, he's proven that time and time again. So, um, like I said, you know, I think we're all rooting for him. We all want to see that. So we which is, I, I would just keep an eye on kind of how he's progressing. Same things you talked about earlier, how he's doing in practice, how, if he's able to progress, move out of those just controlled hit forehand hitting, if he's able to hit more on the run, right, and, and yeah. really test himself. That'll be more objective signs uh, of how he's progressing. When you start seeing him, you know, serving and moving and playing practice points against opponents and, as you say, stretching and moving across side to side, and if he's doing that in no discomfort, then we can we can grab hold of that and go, I think there's a tournament on the horizon. Raj, listen, before I let you go, I want I see your – I think that's your Twitter handle there um, uh, below, uh, so make sure you give Raj a follow on Twitter. But I think you've got other social media things and, and stuff going on as well, right? Yeah, so same handle on uh, YouTube as well, my website as well. So, yeah. Make sure you give Raj a a follow on all the social media, but also check out his uh, YouTube channel where you can also keep up to date with all things physical, uh, particularly on the sporting side. A big thanks to you, Raj. I know it's pretty early in the morning uh, where you are right now in in California, right? Yeah, I'm in LA. So, yeah, almost eight, but yeah. Yeah. Good way, and, to start um, good way to start the day. Have a good day. Um, I don't know if you'll be treating various people with psoas injuries or <laughs> or, 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 or sports people anyway. Yeah. Um, but also I'm sure you'll be sharing your thoughts on on various sporting injuries on, on social media in the in the coming days and weeks. So thank big thanks from talking tennis for, for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. And for the rest of you, thanks for stopping by. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.